Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Hearing the gospel this morning, we may think of so many people that we know in our world that have been overcome with despair, that have abandoned their faith, rejected God, left the church. So many of these new atheists, so many people overcome with resentment or bitterness, despondency, so many who have embraced nihilism or hedonism, or today, which is very popular, this new pseudo-spiritualism, a neo-paganism. It very well may be that the most common reason that people fall into these dark and hopeless places is because of the very presence of evil in this world. Their immediate experience of evil in this world, evil that is brought upon them, and evil in their own hearts. But it's not just the presence of evil in the world, because there's plenty of folks who do not despair, who do not lose faith at the presence of evil. And yet, what about the millions and millions that do? They don't have an explanation or an answer, or maybe they just don't like the answer that they have for the presence of evil, how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it, or maybe they don't want to deal with it, Maybe they reject the way to respond as God has given us. But eventually, whatever the case may be, it will lead all to despair and all kinds of darkness. I think if you were to do a little experiment, as I've done, and interview a couple dozen people who are in this condition, you know, so the new atheists of our world and agnostics and those who have walked away from their faith, you'll probably find out that the majority of them blame the presence of evil for their present state. You can even think about yourself and the times you've been tempted to maybe give up, to doubt the goodness, the faithfulness of God, to wonder if this pursuit of holiness and virtue is really worth it. The times you've maybe flirted with despair, with hedonism, to alleviate your pain. Sounds like I'm describing our Facebook experiences here right now, maybe for a moment. <laughs> Sometimes the sheer meanness of people can bring us to the place of doubt and despair and wanting to give up. This is not a modern problem. It's not just our problem. This has been there from the very beginning. Uh, the joy of picking mangoes in the garden that were the size of, you know, footballs uh, gave way to toil with sweat and thorns. There was the pain of the first birth. And in the end, that child was taken away in death. And compounding that pain, it wasn't just death. It was the murder by his own brother. From the very beginning, man has been struggling to keep light in his eye in the face of evil. Everything in this world conspires to darken our vision. To bring us to a place of despair and hopelessness. Hopelessness. It is above all the presence of evil in this world 
around us and within us, which tears down our faith and our hope in goodness. Again and again in the Scriptures, this complaint is made. The psalmist says, I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Job complains, the tents of the destroyers prosper and those who provoke God are secure. Jeremiah the prophet laments the suffering of God's people when he says her adversaries have become her masters, her enemies prosper. And the prophet Daniel warns of the coming evil when he says then the king will do as he pleases and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods and he will prosper until his indignation is finished for that which is decreed will be done. Likewise, Malachi observes, so now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Jeremiah speaks for all of us when he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why is the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? Man has been plagued and tormented by this question of evil in the world. First, because we all suffer from it. It's not just some abstract theoretical. We experience it from others and even from our own selves. The evil is in our own heart we wrestle with. But even then, past our own experience, man likes to philosophize about this question, about the presence of evil. How can this be, we ask, if God is good and all-powerful? And we can't find our way through this thorny question, not a way that will ultimately satisfy us. And so here we are, as we go down this path, whether by experience or by thought, we're on shaky ground. We're prone to begin to vacillate in our convictions, our faith, we begin to question the reality of things. Those transcendentals that are most sure, that are most real and absolute. Those things that are immutable, that flow out of the superabundance of God himself. Goodness and truth and beauty and joy. These things all of a sudden don't seem to be real anymore. In fact, the presence of evil, which is a non-reality, seems to be more real. The pain, so acute, how could it not be real? And everything in our life begins to swirl in our heads and our hearts and stability gives way to instability. And we're tossed about in the violent waves of doubt and uncertainty and then fear creeps in and resentment and anger and even hatred. It's a slippery slope. Millions and millions and millions of humans have gone down. It's not impossible to get back out, but it's difficult. We are here, of course, to help, to help those who have gone down this path to find their way back to faith, to love of God. Well, we have some help today from our gospel lesson. Let me say from the outset that what Jesus has to say in this parable does not completely satisfy the philosophical question of the presence of evil. It does not. I think it's very important for us to admit that right up front. 
Some people, some Christians, some Orthodox Christians, want to provide a tidy little answer to those that have gone down this dark path concerning this question. But the people are not buying the answer because there is no tidy little answer, in fact. Jesus does not necessarily provide the answer that we demand of God on our terms. You know, we shake our silly little fists in God's face. The one who died for us demand him to give us an explanation for everything. He doesn't give an answer, not the one we think. He gives the right answer, the only answer that will enable us to endure life in this world, to make it safely through this arduous and stormy trip to the other side. It's up to us whether we will hear what Jesus Christ has to tell us, whether we will hear it in faith and love and trust. Why? Because we know him. That's why. That's the only reason. Because we know him. We know he is trustworthy. We know he is good. And he is just. And we know, most importantly, that he loves us. We really know it. That is faith. As I've told you again and again and again, faith is knowing you are loved. And that is the only thing that pleases God. To know that you are loved. And to receive his word. To receive his word. And that is enough. That is enough. It has to be enough. You know, he does not have to answer every question that we pose to him on our terms. He's not obliged to do so. He does what he does for our benefit. At all times, he does what he does for our benefit. And if we really knew and believed that, we would not complain so much. We would say, yes, Lord. Okay, Lord. It is enough. I want to inject a brief little story here. When we were preparing to become Orthodox, um, I had been wanting to be Orthodox for close to 20 years at that point, so it was a long gestation period, a long time to wait. And uh, two weeks before, we had decided with the bishops, you know, consulting with our bishop, that we would, we would become Western Rite. Um, through prayer and thinking about this and discussion, it seemed like the right thing to do. And, uh, but I was uh, a bit tormented about this decision. I was full of fear, actually, about the ramifications of this. And so I had these panic attacks every night, which I'm not prone to. I've never had a panic attack. But the two weeks leading up to our chrismation, I was having panic attacks, waking up in the middle of the night. And as I began to pray, all I could see was just darkness. Not like evil darkness, but the darkness of unknowing. And it was just darkness, just looking into vast darkness. And then one night, I was praying and praying, and... Um, I saw a little flicker, like a little flame, a tiny, tiny ember, like a pinpoint of light that looked like it was, you know, a million miles away. And I felt like the Lord said to me, that's all you're getting. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all you're getting. It wasn't much. <laughs> I still had the fear, the overwhelming fear of the ramifications of the unknown of this decision. I won't go into any more detail than that, but... To be, to, to, to be Western Rite in the Orthodox Church, but I had that flicker, tiny pinpoint of light, and he said, that's all you're getting. And I said, it is enough, Lord. It is enough. And so we left. And here we are. 
So let's ask ourselves in this parable why there are tares among the wheat. Why if God is good and planted good seed in his world, why are there evil people causing pain and trauma? Why, they, why is evil present in the first place in the world? Why doesn't he just do something about it now that it's here? Why do I have to go through the temptations that I have to go through, springing up from my own, my own heart? Why do I have to suffer from evil that I've inherited, which we've all inherited? Why this suffering brought on from other terrible people, brought on even by myself? Why do I seem trapped in a body of sin that causes so much pain? Why do I do the things, the very things I do not wish to do? Well, Jesus gives us an answer. We might not like it. We might not find it completely satisfying, but he does answer the question. Jesus answers our question by telling us an enemy hath done this. <laughs> an enemy hath done this. All right. Well, can accept that. This is a personal thing. This didn't just, God didn't do it. It didn't just spring up. This came through a person. An enemy hath done this. Okay, well, let's go, let's go take care of it then, right? <laughs> Why don't we just go pull out the tares and destroy them? I mean, you're God, after all. Let's go pull them out and clean the field, and everything will be fine. And he says, no. No, that's not what we're going to do. We will wait. We will wait until the very end. Until the judgment and then at that time, the angels will do it, not you. Not you, the angels will reconcile the problem. And then all will be well. That's his answer. In the meantime, you're going to go on in this situation. In patience. Trusting me. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. That's the answer. Maybe a pinpoint of light. And because we know Jesus Christ, because we see him on that cross, we know he loves us, we say, okay, Lord. Yes, Lord, it is enough. It is enough. I'll conclude with the instructions that our Savior gave through his prophet David, where he says to us, rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Not really ask, answering your philosophical question here. He's just giving you some instructions. You can either follow them and be happy. Or not follow them and go into a dark place. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. 
Just because there are tares among the wheat, we do not despair. We do not say there's no use going on. We do not fret. We trust that God will deliver us from the tares, even the tares of our own heart, even if it has to be by fire at the end. We shall be judged by how we finish our race, by how we persevere to the end, by one simple fact that we refused to give up, that we never gave up. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.